This is the Innovation Engine Podcast. Since 2014, we've been bringing you talks with some of the world's leading authorities on innovation. Topics we cover include emerging trends and technologies, corporate leadership, company culture, and more. Coming to you from Three Pillar Global's headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia, here's your host, Will Sherlin. Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this week's very special episode, we'll be delving deeper into the realm of virtual reality by getting hands-on with an HTC Vive and Samsung Gear VR, all while letting the audio and 360-degree video roll. Joining us here at 3Pillar in our Innovation Lab today to walk us through these products and to talk about what we should all expect from the brave new world of virtual reality is Mitch Gelman. Mitch Gelman is a senior fellow in media and technology at the Museum. Previously, he was VP of product at Gannett, where he oversaw digital product development in key areas for properties that included more than 90 national and local news entities across the USA Today network. Mitch was the executive producer on USA Today's award-winning Harvest for Change VR series, and he's won awards including the Pulitzer, the News Innovation Award from the Knight Foundation, and the best use of technology in journalism from the National Press Foundation. He was one of the co-authors of the Knight Foundation's recently released white paper, Viewing the Future of Virtual Reality in Journalism. Welcome to the podcast, Mitch. Thanks. Great to be here. Absolutely. We're thrilled to have you along with the myriad devices that you brought. Uh, So let's start off today talking about those devices and the experiences you're going to guide us through today. As I mentioned in the intro, we have the Samsung Gear VR and the HTC Vive here. What's the difference between these two and also between these and another device that we hear about a lot, the Oculus Rift? Great question. And uh, the way to start is to uh, let you know that we hear about VR, mm-hmm. we hear about virtual reality, yeah. but when people talk about virtual reality, they're talking about many different things. Mm-hmm. VR is many things. Um, at its base, it is creating experiential storytelling, putting you in an environment that allows you to immerse yourself in a place that you otherwise can't go on your own. Right. But in order to do that, there's many different levels. The fundamental level, the basic VR today in April, May 2016, mm-hmm. is spherical video. Okay. A 360-degree video that captures up and down and all around. What you're shooting with today, the Theta S, is a very small camera that captures spherical video. Spherical video can be seen at its basic level in a cardboard viewer uh, on a application that uses your smartphone as the monitor. So you open up the app in the smartphone, you touch on the video, and can take you to multiple different places. The New York Times recently delivered 1.3 million cardboard viewers with their Sunday paper to the subscribers and allowed their subscribers to download an app on their smartphones that played a uh, 
VR piece called The Displaced. It followed the story of three refugees and the viewer was able to look around and be with those refugees on their journey to Europe. Uh, similarly, USA Today has taken people to Cuba, up with the Blue Angels, Discovery Channel has brought people uh, into uh, the wild with Survivor Man, and in very simple, spherical, 360-degree video, you can look around. The next step up from that is a partnership between Samsung and Facebook's Oculus company, Mm -hmm. And that can be viewed on a hard plastic viewer called the Samsung Gear. This is an upsell for Samsung that connects with their Galaxy and Note phones. Mm -hmm. You plug in to your viewer, your Samsung phone, put on the Gear VR, and you get a 360-degree environment that is much more uh, vivid than what you can get on a cardboard viewer. So in this case, when you're flying with the Blue Angels or when you're watching The Lion King, um, you go into an immersive experience that captures uh, the scene and places you in the middle of it. In addition to live video, there's also CGI-driven um, experiences where you can go in and battle with the Avengers and follow um, characters that have been created uh, for the gear. At Sundance this past January, there were 31 different VR exhibits, many of which were built for viewing at this more vivid spherical level with the gear VR. The next level up mm -hmm. in VR is a fully immersive room scale walk-around experience. HTC, formerly known for manufacturing of mobile phones, has moved into the virtual reality hardware space in partnership with Valve, the company that makes Steam games and the Steam machine. Mm -hmm. So they have taken many of their games and brought them into a VR experience. It is a multi-level, um, stereoscopic experience in which you put on a head-mounted device in which you're being tracked by two motion sensors that follow you around the experience. One of the most telling uh, pieces that can be seen uh, with the Vive is called Blue. It's a underwater encounter in which you are walking around the deck of a sunken ship amid stingrays and fish and the whales that come by. Other, other um, examples are you can climb a mountain and look over the edge, or you can play, anybody who has kids plays Fruit Ninja. You can pick up a sword and fly around the room trying to cut the fruit to score points in a game of um, fully immersive Fruit Ninja. Mm -hmm. The Oculus Rift, which has also begun to ship at around this time, is more similar to the HTC Vive. It gives you the opportunity to have a high-level, immersive experience. It's not room scale or walk around at this point, but it does allow you to interact with the experience. The Vive comes with controllers 
that lets you go in and you know wield a sword or shoot confetti as part of your interactive experience. Mm -hmm. The Oculus Rift, which is only a headset now, is releasing two touch controllers possibly later this year or early 2017 that will not only let you interact with the environment you're in, but the Rift will also create an environment in which people in different locations can have a social experience by appearing in the same virtual scene simultaneously. That's why when Mark Zuckerberg talks about why Facebook invested $2 billion to purchase Oculus, he, has, he believes that VR is going to be the next great computing platform and that people will no longer share moments as they can in Facebook today, but will be able to share experiences, which is what the experiential storytelling and immersive aspect of this new medium provides. Well, speaking of experiential storytelling, we're going to try to do some of that on our own here today on the Innovation Engine podcast. I think we have a few folks that we're going to walk through some of these products. So without further ado, I'm going to take a pause and we'll come back and finish up some more questions, uh, several questions uh, about the future of virtual reality. So hold the phones and we'll be right back with you. I'm not sure that the audio alone fully captures the experience of actually watching someone go through what it's like to try out a VR headset. Fortunately, there is video of it that we'll be posting on Three Pillars YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as in the blog post that accompanies this podcast on our website. But give the audio a listen. In this first clip, we have Andy Zipfell, one of my current colleagues and one of Mitch's former colleagues from USA Today, on the deck of a shipwreck underwater in what's called the Blue, B-L-U. It's an underwater experience on the HTC Vive where it feels like you're surrounded by fish, stingrays, and eventually a giant whale. Give it a listen. All kinds of fish. Whoa. Oh, wow. I'm on a deck. Rails right here. Just caught a fish. Oh, wow. Giant whale. I'm going to get hit by the tail. Woo! That was crazy. That was crazy. Next up is my boss, Tony Orlando, going through the same experience. And I'm going to play the blue and then another one back to back because they're pretty short clips. In the second, Tony is standing on the side of a mountain looking out over a steep precipice to the bottom of the mountain. Lots of fish. Oh, stingrays. Very cool. There's a fish, fish, fish. Oh, shipwreck. Wow. Right over the side. Underwater caves and crevices. 
Underwater mountains? Wow. That's a cool old ship. Uh, what is it? Fishing trawler, maybe? Hard to tell. Yeah, there's fish like right in front of me. Stingray just came over my head. Wow, that's a deep cavern there. Wow. It's so real. It's almost like you can reach out and you really do want to touch the floor and the cables. Oh my, there's a whale. It's ginormous. Where'd he come from? Hoo -hoo -hoo. He's like right off the edge. Yep, he's about to hit me with his flipper. Luckily, I'm in a virtual world because that would hurt. Wow, what, what detail too. Ooh. Now I am on the edge of a cliff, literally feeling like I could fall over. That is impressive. Holy cow. Oh my. So I'm literally like in this little space. It's about this big. And three feet out is an edge of a cliff. And it is a long way down. And what a view. Water, mountains. Like a prop. Whoa. <laughs> it's so real you feel like you could touch it. I almost fell over. Because I see like pieces I could climb to get to the tippity top, which is probably another 25, 30 yards above me. But wow, that just, um, the underwater was cool, but this, that one there, you really feel like you're out there on the ledge by yourself. Whew. We recorded more audio of people trying out the HTC Vive than the Samsung Gear VR because the Vive requires a more elaborate setup, hence I think it was more of an attraction or maybe a novelty. But based on our experience, I do think the Gear VR would be a more palatable option for all but the most serious of VR enthusiasts out of the gate. Now here I should also note that we didn't test out an Oculus Rift or Sony's upcoming solution that Mitch talks about during this episode because neither is widely available at this point. But to give the Gear VR some semblance of equal time, here is Chris Graham watching a USA Today produced VR piece about the Blue Angels, the famed Navy flight squad, on the Samsung Gear VR. Chris will walk you through a little bit of what he saw, and he also asks Mitch about whether he expects Apple to throw its hat into the proverbial VR ring. I should note here that the audio on this clip, as well as on some of the previous clips, has been trimmed and sliced for brevity's sake. Hi, my name is uh, Captain Tom Frosch. I'm the commanding officer and flight leader of your U.S. Navy Blue Angel. Jeez. It's like... You get dizzy after a while, it's crazy. Yeah. Have you seen the Blue Angels? Yeah, I've seen Blue Angels. Oh, wow. So, do you think Apple's going to respond and have something 
to compete with this? I mean, their stock just took a dip for the first time in forever, so. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they're already uh, taking over a building in Stanford. Really? And they've hired trying to promote who are working over there. Okay, well, we hope that listening to people go through the VR experience gives you a little bit of a taste of what it's like. If you'd like to see some video clips that we're recording of the walkthroughs and of the recording of this podcast episode, we'll be making those available on Three Pillars' YouTube channel and Facebook page. We'll include those links in the show notes for the podcast. But for now, we're back with Mitch Gelman. And Mitch, I want to ask, you're going to be giving two presentations on the potential power of VR in the days and weeks to come. The first will actually be tomorrow night in D.C. at the Museum, and the second will be in a few weeks down in Miami. For those who won't be lucky enough to be in attendance at either of those events, can you give a rundown of what you'll be talking about? The first thing that, that I'll be talking about is the question of whether the virtual reality experiences are going to live up to the virtual reality hype. Right. And that's a question on, on everybody's mind in large part because over the last four or five years, more than $4 billion has been invested in this area. A significant amount of it in hardware, um, a, about 55% um, in real world uh, applications. So the people that uh, are working on apps for entertainment, for medical treatment, for job training, um, auto manufacturing, many different applications of this emerging technology, and then education and gaming, of course, which is the first mover in terms of the experiences that are being created. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about the, uh, you know, the incredible investment and confidence that uh, many uh, technology and uh, content production companies have made um, in this area. In 2015, there were about 229 individual investors, which was a 27% increase over the number of individual investors who had put money into this technology the previous year. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing uh, a rapid increase on top of that already in 2016. What that's enabled us to observe is the evolution of the technology that's powering the new medium. Mm -hmm. So there are two things that need to come together in order for VR to catch on. The first are the headsets, the way you view the content. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about the uh, evolution of those headsets from the cardboard viewer, Google, shipped 500,000 of those in 214, 5 million in 2015. And now a step up from the cardboard is the Samsung Oculus Gear VR, which is a upsell to the Samsung Galaxy and Note phones. Oculus is releasing the Rift and um, HTC, the walk around um, experience that includes motion centers. And then Sony is going to come on at the end of the year with a modest upsell that will give you a VR headset device and controllers that will connect to the PlayStation. 
What's significant about that is with the Oculus Rift and the Vive, the user needs to have a computer that's going to run the system. With PlayStation and Sony, there's already 37 million PlayStations installed across the consumer marketplace around the United States and the rest of the world. There's going to be a significant potential for more people to experience not only the gaming, but also the storytelling of VR when the um, headset is delivered by Sony, mm -hmm. which is expected at the end of the year. The second key piece, in addition to the viewing, that I, th I think we're, we're going to see an expansion of content creation is the way the cameras are evolving. Well, you've already talked a little bit about the Ricoh Theta S, a handheld camera smaller than a television remote control that can shoot in 360 degrees spherical video. It can take spherical stills at high quality. It can take cardboard quality or small screen quality, 360 degree spherical video. Mm -hmm. And what's significant about that and Rico released this, you know, the end of last year, is that there's no post-production involved other than basic editing. You don't have to stitch multiple camera feeds together, which can be time-consuming and expensive. Higher quality content and stories come when you do have to stitch together uh, the feeds. Uh, six GoPros in an array or two GoPros uh, in a uh, device that um, harnesses them together can create much higher quality um, video, but requires using either auto panner or color or video stitch software um, at this point in the post-production stage to pull those different camera views together. Nokia is um, introducing or has introduced a um, professional cinematic quality camera that's being used a lot in Hollywood right now um, for higher-end productions, and that's called the Ozo. The Ozo has eight cameras and, as important, eight microphones that are built into what essentially looks like a, a, a large um, egg-shaped uh, camera. Mm -hmm. And that allows not only the multiple views to capture high-quality spherical um, video at a very good resolution, but it also gives you the chance to program directional sound into the experience by using the, uh, the eight um, microphones and combining the microphones with the stereoscopic imagery um, that is captured. So that's a camera that's uh, coming on the scene for higher level production. At its F8 conference two weeks ago, Facebook, Facebook which bought Oculus for two plus billion dollars mm -hmm. announced that they're releasing a camera also. Their camera is a combination of 17, I believe, different lenses and will provide auto stitching software in the cloud that will help pull those together and produce uh, video that Facebook believes is going to be very popular in your newsfeed in the not too distant future. So that's, um, those are the, the two primary trends that I'm going to be talking about uh, in, uh, in, these, um, in these presentations. 
that the investment is there and what it's driving is evolution in camera and in uh, head-mounted device uh, technology. Nice. And, and you mentioned Facebook. From my limited experience creating 360 or VR video, uh, seems like Facebook and YouTube are the two companies that are kind of leading the charge in making it and making VR content uh, easily accessible to consumers. Is there anybody else out there that's doing anything along the same lines as the two of those companies? Samsung is very involved in creating applications for uh, acquisition of high-end content. Mm -hmm. HTC just announced uh, within, uh, within the past 24 hours that they're setting up a fund to support content creators. Uh, who are going to be able to get uh, money to go out and produce higher-end um, uh, experiences for the um, immersive environment that HTC offers. Um, and then there are smaller um, companies that are building applications and getting, uh, getting out front um, in terms of this technology. The Washington Post, the New York Times, USA Today, the Guardian, um, Riot, which was recently purchased by AOL's Huffington Post, are all investing in VR production units that are using the storytelling to uh, technology to create more immersive um, journalism. Mm -hmm. The biggest fear, well, that the technology um, and hardware manufacturers have right now is bad content that people who try the VR experiences, if they're exposed at first blush to stories that aren't that compelling or video that doesn't make them want to come back for more, may not tell their friends to go out and buy the device and may not come back for repeat visits. So mm -hmm. what they're looking to now is to provide the best answer to the fear of bad content, and that is supporting the production of quality content. Do you want to talk for a minute about what makes quality content and great storytelling? Yeah, you know, I would, I would love to because I know you have experience with it and I imagine it also creates some unique challenges for uh, for the for actual content creators. Not only now do you have to, you know, think about a frame that's right in front of you, you have to think about a panorama of everything. Well, to to the point um, that you just made, uh, even for professional um, actors and television producers, this is this is a brand new medium. There have been there have been people uh, in the VR space who, perhaps a little bit prematurely, have uh, teased um, others in uh, you know traditional filmmaking and they say, oh you're just out producing flatties. Um, <laughs> the flatties are still driving a significant amount of uh, entertainment attention mm -hmm. across um, our, our universe right now. And mm -hmm. VR, if it's fortunate, spherical video, if it picks up, may be able to compete with that. But in the meantime, uh, there, are, there are filmmakers and television producers and journalists who are playing around with experiments in this technology. One of the first to do it was... Uh, the um, Turner uh, show, Major Crimes. Um, after shooting uh, its television scenes, um, what, um, what the director uh, and the executive producer of Major Crimes have 
tried to do is take all the cameras and all of the uh, non-actors off of the um, off of the stage, um, off of the set, mm-hmm. and put down a couple of VR um, cameras uh, in places where the action of that scene is going to occur and then say, okay, one more time, we're going to do this for VR. And the interesting challenge there is it brings into play um, the keys to producing high quality content and storytelling in this medium, which are one, offering a sense of presence, giving the audience the feeling that they are in a place that in reality, they're not bringing them into the scene. From a news perspective, um, what I told people who are shooting news stories in this medium is that traditionally we've been able to bring the news to our audience or to our readers. Now we can bring them into the news. Mm -hmm. So presence is one key. The second key is perspective, providing different perspectives through this spherical view that allows people to either move around or to look around and see characters or uh, parts of the room um, that a director might otherwise have thought was not as important enough to be the focus of his or her cut, but somebody else might find interesting. So getting the right presence and getting the right perspective is key. When Major Crimes did this what the um, what the producer told the actors who had never before been exposed to this type of um, uh, filming is if you can see the camera, the camera can see you. And when they ran through the scene, uh, some of the actors were like, wow, that was like doing theater. Everybody had to be on because everybody could be seen at all times um, in the shot. So perspective, um, presence, and an understanding that everything is in the shot at all times is key to uh, understanding how to create great experiential storytelling. And if you do do that, you can take people to places like Mars or to Havana, Cuba, uh, into uh, you know the skies with the Blue Angels, um, the Oval Office, onto a mountaintop, uh, under the sea, you know, with actors and actresses preparing uh, for the um, for the Oscars, uh, one news organization went to North Korea, another uh, into the center of the Ebola crisis, and uh, yet another to Syria, where it captured scenes and brought people into the experience in a way that offered perspective and offered presence. The two criteria and concepts that define VR as its own medium. Mm-hmm. And, and sticking with that, let me ask, do you see uh, VR being kind of the next step in the evolution of TV? Is VR to TV as TV was to radio? That's a great question, and um, it is one that uh, that hasn't been answered yet. Yeah. Um, there are currently uh, incredible reasons to believe that VR has great promise as an emerging technology that's going to lead to 
a new form of storytelling that the Minecraft generation um, is that expects fully immersive, interactive experiences that comes out of a video game universe in which the participant gets to influence the way the story is being told or a nonlinear um, approach to compiling facts and information in order to build um, a story. There are many reasons to think that VR is going to fulfill that promise. There's great story potential. It offers the opportunity to connect with an audience in ways that provide deeper empathy than traditional media. The market is growing overall. It is a powerful emerging technology that's evolving um, if not, if not weekly, certainly monthly or quarterly mm -hmm. in terms of the abilities and the feature set. And there are tremendous ad and sponsorship opportunities um, within these uh, experiences. On the other hand, each of those promises comes with a challenge that is going to need to be addressed and solved in order for those promises to potentially be fulfilled. Great storytelling means that we're going to have to figure out as storytellers what is the new narrative structure in a nonlinear, fully spherical environment. Mm -hmm. uh, there are ethical questions that go along with the deeper empathy. People are exposed to uh, views and perspectives that there may have been a reason the director or the news producer didn't want to include in a single frame version of the story. The adoption potential of the headsets and the technology systems, um, still uncharted. We're gonna find out how quickly uh, that aspect of the market will, will emerge. The headsets need to become smaller. The systems need to be less expensive. The content needs to get better. Your background is in media, obviously, and, and I know we're talking a lot about media, but I, I wonder also if I'm limiting the scope, or I'm sure that I am limiting the scope of VR by asking a question like, is it to TV what TV was to radio? Because I'm sure there are many industries beyond just media that are set to be impacted by VR. Are there some that you think or that you have already seen, um, you know, uh, great possible applications of, of the technology being, you know, put into play? Yes, um, of course. The, uh, uh, some, of the key, some of the key areas that um, are taking advantage of this emerging technology already are uh, medicine, um, in which it's being used for treatment, um, for connecting uh, people on the scene in war zones to um, experts um, back in uh, in hospital centers. Um, there is uh, a significant amount of work being done in, um, in medical treatment in terms of uh, treating PTSD and even burn victims. There was uh, there's one example in which a VR experience um, was created in a polar environment, and when provided to burn victims, it actually helped reduce the pain. Wow. Um, that they were feeling by being in this polar um, setting due to the presence and the way VR has the uh, opportunity to essentially hack the brain mm -hmm. and make you believe that you're feeling sensations that um, only exist in a virtual environment. So there's medical uses, there's job training uses, there's real estate um, 
companies that are uh, using it to get people virtual tours of uh, homes and properties. Uh, there are automotive um, companies and manufacturing groups that are beginning to use VR to save money, run simulations, and move more quickly through the iterative process of the design and the delivery uh, of their products. Yeah. And let me ask about, about consumer adoption. We hear often about the you know, rapid expansion of uh, mobile devices, for example. I think the, the fastest consumer device in history to go from 10% saturation to 90%. Any idea on numbers or metrics of how quickly VR headsets will be adopted by the general public or, or you know, rough uh, estimates at this point? I think what we're doing right now is benchmarking mm -hmm. um, where we are. So uh, benchmarking the amount of storytelling, the amount of experiences that are being produced, the yeah. number of uh, applications that are being released or being or the amount of content that's being consolidated into uh, centralized uh, applications, the VR equivalent of the network effect. Um, or, you know, we're, we're beginning to document and track the distribution of the headsets and also the spend by advertisers and brands um, in this area. So at this point, we're still benchmarking where the uh, ecosystem is. Mm -hmm. Over the course of the next few years, we're going to know, did the, uh, the combination of, you know, of content, of monetization, and the uh, reduction in cost and size and the improvement and ease of use of the technological systems, did they come together in order to create the type of growth that um, the medium has the potential to achieve. Yeah. So we'll see over, over the next um, few years whether or not VR becomes the type of you know, collective experience, um, shared experience, or even individual focused um, opportunity to absorb information uh, in the way that previous mediums um, have. You know, what's going to be the, you know, is VR going to take its place as the new front porch the way uh, print, magazines, and newspapers did originally um, on, the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the front porch where you could go off in a corner and, you know, read your magazine or your book? That front porch moved into the living room with the advent of broadcast and then ultimately cable television where families congregated to... Uh, share that medium. Uh, you look around over the last few years and people gather around their smartphones and share information. So the mobile phone has become, uh, you know, one of the newest front porches. And uh, now the question is whether or not consoles and head mountain devices are going to be a place where people aggregate either together or virtually in the same place to share those experiences and engage with the storytelling that um, is being developed. Yeah, and is it, um, do you think we'll get to a point where you put on a pair of glasses and see the same thing that you might wear, where you're putting on a headset now, or do you think that kind of the immersive experience relies a little bit on almost like having blinders on? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I was talking to somebody the other night who, uh, told me something I had never realized before, which is that when Gutenberg came out with the printing press, that 
throughout his lifetime, he was printing large-scale manuscripts that people read aloud and shared. And it wasn't until later, after his death, that uh, our Italians um, came up with the idea of having smaller, more compact print products that would evolve into books that were people were absorbing as individual um, experiences. So whether or not there are shared experiences through VR or whether or not it's an individually focused, um, immersive context, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to find out. And, and it may be that there are going to be different types of uh, experiences that you're going to want to share and others that you're going to want to have uh, and keep um, more personal. Uh, and there'll be different ways to um, access uh, that type of uh, that type of information and uh, content and coverage and storytelling and as we move forward. Yeah, and I, I know you're not here to endorse any one product over another. Um, you're, we're very grateful for for you. Uh, we're very grateful to you for bringing everything in. But if you're Mitch Gilman at home and you're strapping on a VR headset of choice, that VR headset is. Well, it depends what you already have at home. Okay. If you've got a, uh, if, if you've got a powerful computer, um, go out and, and, and buy the Vive and bring that home. If you own a Samsung phone, don't worry about the Vive. Pick up, uh, you know, pick up for $99 uh, a Gear VR that everybody can share. And uh, there's a lot of great um, experiences that exist um, out there. If, um, if you've got a, a PlayStation, Wait a few months until Sony releases its headset. And um, if you don't have any of those, just download an app on your cell phone and get a cardboard viewer for, you know, 10 bucks, uh, 12 bucks on, uh, you know, on Amazon mm -hmm. and at least get started in, um, in exploring the experiences. And as we move through the VR um, phase that we're currently in on the horizon is augmented reality and the difference between vr and ar is that while vr brings you into a place that you are not in what augmented reality does is it overlays a virtual experience on top of the world that exists around you mm -hmm. so as we move forward into that new experience you're going to see the vr devices getting smaller and easier to use and then the augmented reality devices picking up where they left i saw a um, demo from a company called magic leap that is uh, well funded um, in this area uh, the other day they released a, a video showing the potential of their vision for augmented reality and it essentially turned your home into a virtual interface. So uh, it's an exciting time for, uh, you know, for storytelling and uh, connectivity and uh, can't wait to see where it goes. Okay, very nice. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us, Mitch. Much appreciated. Well, thanks for uh, letting me participate in uh, your podcast. Absolutely. Look forward to getting it out there. And, and I think some of the 360 video, I'm looking at, my, at the app on my phone, and it looks like we may have lost part of the episode, but we'll use whatever we have just to give people uh, a, a little bit of insight into uh, into what the world of three, 360 degree video and uh, VR video holds as well.
Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks very much to Mitch Gelman for joining us for this very special episode of the podcast. If you'd like to hear more of his thoughts on where the world of VR is going, particularly as it relates to journalism, I'd encourage you to read the Knight Foundation's white paper on VR that Mitch co-authored. It's titled Viewing the Future of Virtual Reality in Journalism, and it's available to download for free on the Knight Foundation's website. Thanks once again to Mitch Gelman for joining us for this episode of the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Don't forget to tune into the next episode when we're very excited to have Alex Tapscott joining us to talk about the soon-to-be-released book that he co-wrote titled Blockchain Revolution, how the technology behind Bitcoin is changing money, business, and the world. We'll look at what exactly the blockchain is, talk about why Alex and his co-author and father Don Tapscott think the blockchain will fundamentally transform the way businesses operate, and much more. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. The Innovation Engine podcast is recorded, produced, edited, and published by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information on the company or our services, please visit our website at www.3pillarglobal.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or SoundCloud. And you can also download our very own iOS app in the iTunes App Store.